Okay. Who remembers what happened last in Name and the Red Eagle? Zinnia used her ring of illusion to make herself look like a pirate, and she went on board the pirate ship, and she was looking for a chance to free the dwarves, right? Mm-hmm. And she had a meeting with that captain. That's right, and then the captain found her out. He was not fooled, and he discovered that she wasn't really Pirate Emmett. She was something else entirely. And he had just figured out when the door behind him opened and closed quickly. Now, why is that surprising? Because none of the pirates were allowed. Right, because he said they they were not to be disturbed, right? All right, now we're going to continue. Chapter 7, Trapped. McArgyle spun furiously to see which pirate had interrupted him against orders. You'll walk the plank, he began. But then he choked on his words. Still clad in iron chains, but standing free in the captain's own cabin, stood Tronhelm, son of Tronglove. For a terrible split second, all three were perfectly still. Then the dwarf charged with raised hands, and the captain brought down his sword in a lightning slash. Somehow, faster than sight could detect, the dwarf had seized a chair in one hand, as he, and as he charged, he brought it up to meet the rapier's blow. Protected momentarily, he drove all his weight against the pirate, grappling, pushing him back, and driving him out of his balanced poise. Zinnia watched as they passed in front of her, not quite believing what was taking place. They went down with a clatter and an oof! And like a cat, the dwarf was back on his feet and brought the chair down on the captain's head, cracking the wood apart. Then he turned to face her. The captain's rapier was in his hand, and he growled, Now for you! Zinnia almost didn't think quickly enough. But before he ran her through with the sword, she yanked the ring of illusion off her finger and shrieked, Don't! The blade stopped, inches away. Tronhelm blinked, not trusting his eyes at first. There stood a human girl in a red dress, where a moment before had been an ugly pirate. It was the same girl that he'd seen in the Battle of Nain. Was it a trick? I'm not a pirate, she whispered. I'm here to help you. He held the blade close to her chest a moment longer, trying to decide whether he could trust this strange apparition. Then he smiled and lowered his sweat. Moradine again! <laughs> he laughed. There is hope yet. His ways are inscrutable. He walked swiftly to the door and locked it. Then he turned to her. No, she's there to help the dwarves. Tronhelm is a dwarf. They're the ones who are captured by the pirates. So, wizard, what is your plan? Zinnia gulped. Um, my name is Zinnia. I'm not a wizard yet. I'm an apprentice. I snuck on board using this magic ring. Tronhelm looked concerned. And I am Tronhelm, son of Tronglove. All right, you're an apprentice. How many spells do you know? Can you restrain the pirates while we free my comrades? Not exactly. I can do a good firebolt, um, but it takes a lot of concentration, and uh, I haven't really practiced it in three weeks. 
she began to feel acutely embarrassed. Firebolts are weak. What else? he demanded. Uh, I'm proficient in mage hand and prestidigitation, she offered. Presti... Prestidigitation. Minor illusions. Lighting candles. Creating sounds. Things like that. He looked exasperated. But what about fighting spells? I don't really know any fighting spells, she admitted. Then what is the plan? He insisted. She wanted to defend herself. The plan is, I'm here and I'm going to help. I'm waiting for a chance to steal the keys to the hold. The captain is probably dead, he pointed out. They're going to start wondering what's going on in here. We have to act now, before we were trapped. We can't wait any longer. Then you think of something, she snapped. You're the one who who interrupted me, she accused. She decided not to mention that the captain had been about to kill her. What about your spells? You're a dwarf cleric, aren't you? Now it was Tronhelm's turn to be embarrassed. I've only, <clears throat> he sighed, only been a cleric for a day, okay? I mean, when the pirates attacked, it had only been a day. Now Zinnia was exasperated. One day? And you don't know a single spell? He nodded. Then what on earth was your plan when you barged in here without a weapon? I didn't have a plan, he hissed. I got free and I snuck up here to find the captain. I wanted revenge. I thought I would die gloriously in battle, and that would be that. But now we're both alive and we have a chance. We have to work together. She nodded. All right, I'll turn back into a pirate and I'll go out there and you can hide here <clears throat> and I'll tell them that the captain is sick and doesn't want any visitors. And then I can bring you food. Tronhelm groaned. They're not going to believe that. Well, then you think of something if you're so smart. There was a silence. Zinnia and Tronhelm both reflected on their situation. The rain beat on the ceiling. The ship heaved. Soon there would be no more hiding. There was no way to fight a whole ship full of pirates and no help for miles in any direction. They were stuck, trapped, with one sword between the two of them. Things looked pretty dark. We're both going to be dead before the sun rises, stated Tronhelm. It seemed undeniable. It was then that they realized that they were not alone. There was a shuffling sound nearby, like an animal was within the walls. No, it was behind a cabinet door, but it was too big to be a rat. Something the size of a dog or a cat was moving within. Zinnia and Tronhelm stared, not knowing what to expect. Then the handle turned, twisted from the inside, and with a belabored creak, the little cabinet door opened and out stepped the king's little halfling spy. He was disheveled, but smiling, and clearly enjoyed their astonishment, grinning like a magician on stage who revels in the audience's awe. Good evening, friends, he said and bowed. My name is Edgar Oldbuck of His Majesty's Royal Intelligence Service, and the two of you are in desperate need of my help, as I can plainly see. Okay, chapter eight. Thank you. Eddie's plans. 
A hurried conversation followed. Eddie asked a lot of questions, but he tended to interrupt halfway through the answers. They could see he had a trained, tactical mind, and they tried not to take offense at his brusque manners. He wanted to know how Tronhelm had escaped his bonds. In short, the dwarf had noticed a weakness in the iron chains. And not the chains themselves, but the way they were fastened to the wooden walls. For two weeks, he had strained against the bolts with all his might. Finally, they ripped from the walls, freeing him to carefully carry his chains, trying not to let them make noise as he snuck through the darkness of the ship to seek his revenge. While they talked, Eddie unfolded a tiny leather tool roll, and he used his little lockpicks to free the dwarf from his chains. But even as the dwarf chafed his sore wrists, the three were startled by a loud knocking. Begging your pardon, Captain, sir, but it's been a long while, said a voice outside the door. Is everything all right in there? They looked at each other in alarm. The hobbit motioned quickly for Zinnia to crouch down near him, and he whispered in her ear for a few moments, gesturing at the captain's body and at the door. She nodded. Finally, he put his hand on her shoulder and smiled encouragingly. You can do it, he said. Zinnia stood up straight, put on the ring, and transformed. But this time she wasn't Pirate Emmett. This time the ring disguised her as Captain Connor McArgyle. She unlocked the door, stepped outside, and closed the door carefully behind her. Two inside would need a few minutes to prepare their part. Meanwhile, she had to gather the pirate crew together and give them their new orders. At first, everything went smoothly. Zinnia sensed the fear and respect of the crew for their captain, and that gave her confidence. She instructed the first mate to gather the crew on the stern so that they were some distance from the captain's door. There was nowhere to gather the crew, so that they couldn't see the captain's door, but at least here at the stern, with the rain falling hard, they would probably not hear a shout from within the cabin. That was key. Next, the captain gave a short speech to the crew. As he spoke, the wind picked up, and he drove and drove the rain in all their faces. Pirate Emmett is dead, lads. Arr! A murmur went through the crowd. Emmett is dead, killed by me own saber for he was a filthy, treasonous mutineer who was planning my demise. Well, let this be a lesson to each of you. I've put down five mutinies in as many years and never received a scratch from any man aboard who planned my downfall in secret. The substance of this Zinnia had been told by Pirate Bob earlier on. Carnimac Argyle is no man's fool. Arr. Now hear this, she continued. Emmett may be dead, but before we throw his stinky body overboard, every man here will look upon it and swear on the dead man's sword that he was not a party to this mutiny that Emmett planned. And that's not all, mateys. She paused to let the men wonder a bit what she might say next. Here's how you're going to do it. The crew will stand here together. When you see me open yonder door to my cabin, one man will step forward and enter the cabin alone. There he will view the body of Pirate Emmett. Furthermore, he will answer the questions I will ask him. And woe to the scallywag who does not speak the truth. For I have all the secrets of those mutiny-planning rats. Here she spat. And if they try to lie to Captain McArgyle, be sure I'll catch them in those lies, and the plank will be too good for those filthy traitors. The first man to enter and be questioned, she added, 
shall be you, Will Scurvy, me first mate. The first mate nodded solemnly. And each of you shall enter unarmed to show your trust in the justice of Captain Connor McArgyle. With that, Zinnia turned and strode quickly away. Surely the boys were ready by now. She opened the door, took a look in the cabin, and then motioned for the first mate to join her. Will Scurvy set out to cross the deck of the ship, trying not to look frightened. The other pirates watched him go and wondered. In the cabin, Will noticed two things. One, at first, only one lamp was lit so that the cabin's... Will Scurvy is the first mate. He's one of the pirates. One of the lamp, only one of the lamps was lit so that the captain's quarters were even darker than usual. Second, a white sheet was laid over a body, head and all, which now rested on the bed. Go ahead and look, said Zinnia. Will Scurvy had no desire to see a dead pirate Emmett, but he obeyed the captain. He walked over, pulled the sheet down, and beheld the face of Captain McArgyle. At that moment, a hand brought down a heavy iron candlestick on his head, and he collapsed unconscious. Well done, Mr. Dwarf, said Eddie. Two down and perhaps eighty to go? He tied Will's hands together behind his back, and together they dragged him across the room and lay him down in the dark at the far side, away from the lamp. When all was reset, Zinnia stepped out the door and motioned for the next pirate. Lightning had begun to crack overhead, and the pirates were struggling to keep their feet as the ship was tossed by the waves. This time, Sea Dog Jenkins stepped forward. He wasn't brave. He just wanted to get the ordeal over with as soon as possible. As Sea Dog crossed the deck, Jimmy Joe turned to, pirate, t- turned to Bob in, in the stern and said, Bobber, the first mate never came out. They looked at one another and wondered what it meant. Old Sea Dog Jenkins was treated to the same surprise as Will Scurvy, and so were the next five men who entered the captain's cabin. But soon the adventurers realized they had made one, they had made one enormous mistake. They, sim- they simply hadn't thought of an explanation for where the pirates were going after they looked at Emmett. The next time Zinnia stepped out to summon another pirate, she noticed that they were talking excitedly among themselves. There seemed to be some disagreement among the pirates. She had to shout, Arr! I be ready for the next man! to get their attention. Hesitatingly, Henderson, Sharky, Peabody began to cross the deck, but he stopped midway and looked back at the crew. Then he turned to Zinnia and said, Captain, we all want to know where the others are. Are they still in your captain, in your cabin? Why don't they come out? Zinnia had to think fast. Uh, of course they're in my cabin, you swine. Now get in here, double time, or you'll walk the plank. Arr! Sharky looked back and forth, unsure of what to do. He was afraid. Something was wrong. Lightning cracked overhead. Finally, he saw the captain disappear into the cabin without him. And a moment later, first mate Will Scurvy stepped out. This was Zinnia also, in a new disguise. Come on, Sharky, you dim-witted landlubber scrub, said Will. We're all in here, just step in and you'll understand why. Will stood impatiently at the door. Sharky looked back at the crew and shrugged. They all looked a bit sheepish now. Nobody knew what was going on. 
But Will Scurvy was still alive and saying all was well, so perhaps their fears were needless. Sharky had no choice now. He stepped forward and entered the cabin like the others. In this way, with Zinnia donning different disguises one at a time, they managed to convince another seven pirates to come into the cabin unarmed. After that, however, there was more trouble. Where's Will Scurvy now? They shouted as she stepped out. Where's Sharky? Where's Hubs? Meaning Hubert Northwistle, who had gone after Sharky. Let them all come out at once. Captain McArgyle swore and threatened as best as Zinnia could muster. But the pirates refused to budge. So at last, she stepped in alone and locked the door behind her. It's not working. They're all refusing now. I think they're getting organized, she told Eddie and Tronhill. Eddie went to the door and took a peep. It's okay, lads. I was expecting this, he said. This was a tiny bit untruthful. He hadn't fully thought through his plans in the beginning, but in the meantime, he had had time to think. And now he had a new idea. Huddle up. I've got one more trick up my sleeve. It's a real doozy. <laughs> Here's what we do. Tronhelm and Zinnia gathered close, and Eddie explained his plan. Dun, dun, dun. Read the next chapter. Read the next chapter. Read the next chapter. All right. Chapter 9. The Battle for the Red Eagle. If the pirates had stormed the captain's cabin immediately, they could easily have overcome the three adventurers and taken back the ship. But instead, they argued, frightened and unsure of what to do or who was in charge. And this delay proved very costly to them. It was not for nothing that Eddie had told Zinnia to call in the first mate before the others, since he would have been the natural leader in the captain's absence. Deprived of both captain and first mate, the pirates fell to boasting, posturing, and quarreling over the noise of the storm. In the meantime, our, free our three friends were busy. First, Zinnia unlatched and opened the little round portal window in the back of the cabin. Rain sprayed in, and outside lightning flashed. The window opened in the side of the ship itself over the stormy waves. Next, Tronhelm handed her a thick rope, which he had secured to the heavy captain's desk. Zinnia shoved all the rope out the window, letting it fall to dangle down the hole. Last of all, she held a chair steady on top of the desk, while a very white-faced hobbit climbed onto it. Besides the captain door, which was watched, this little window was the only way out of the captain's quarters, and Eddie alone was small enough to fit through the opening. Like most hobbits, he preferred to have nothing at all to do with water or boats. In fact, he was terrified of drowning, but in his line of work, personal sacrifices must be made. Calling on all of his willpower, he steadied his nerves and climbed out of the window, gripping the rope to keep from falling into the black sea below. Outside, the storm was tremendous. The ship was heaving mightily up and down in the rough waters, and all was dark and loud and wet, lit only by the occasional flash of lightning. First left, and then right, the rope swayed, knocking the little hobbit hard against the side of the boat. Slowly, ever so cautiously, he lowered himself down, hand over hand. There was another portal below, low down on the hole. Naturally, this window could only be opened from the inside, but that was no problem for Zinnia. Above in the captain's quarters, she cast her best spell, and a ghostly hand appeared inside the lower portal. Swiftly, it was unlatched and opened. 
It was no simple feat to get from the rope into the tiny window. Eddie's fears nearly paralyzed him. He was holding on to the rope for dear life, being submerged now and then in the tops of large waves. He found that no matter how close he might be to safety now, it took a tremendous effort of courage to let go of the rope that was his lifeline in order to grasp hold of the window with one hand. Finally, steadied there, he found his grip within and brought his other hand to the sill as well, releasing the rope to fly away in the dark storm. The ship burrowed into another wave and he held on for dear life as he was totally submerged for a few moments. At last, with a final struggle, he was through. He shut the portal firmly against the storm and took a moment to collect his wits. He was soaked through, standing in a puddle, shivering and trying to catch his breath, but he had made it through alive. It might have been the hardest thing he ever did. In the light of a single candle that burnt low in a little mound of wax in the center of the room, Eddie could see countless faces looking at him with dumbfounded wonder. They were bulbous and comical in the odd light, and every one had a long beard. All wore thin grayish robes or mere undergarments. Eddie smiled in spite of himself at the dwarf's appearance, so unlike the armored and proud sight that he was used to encountering in diverse cities where dwarves mingled with other races. But he was ever cognizant of the danger they were all in. He drew his lockpicks from their safe location and went to work without delay. Up above, the pirates had settled their disagreements and were preparing to assault the cabin. Tronhelm had moved a tremendous chest of drawers into position in front of the door, which opened inward. But even his strength pressing against the furniture blocking the door would not be enough to stop the pirates from breaking in. He listened, paced, and snorted, sword in hand. He was ready for a fight and impatient. One of the unconscious pirates piled in the corner moaned piteously, but they were all securely bound with rope. Zinnia was sitting in the captain's largest upholstered chair, her eyes closed. They're coming, observed the dwarf. Hush, I'm concentrating, she, she replied. Tronhelm opened his mouth to argue and then shut it again. Either in death or in victory, he was glad that his time at this cabin with the pouty human girl would soon be over. The pirates knocked and demanded entrance. Pretty soon they were beating on the door. When they realized something large was holding it shut, they fell to arguing again, and then some of them fetched a large cannon. <clears throat> they weren't going to shoot at the door. They weren't yet that desperate. They were just going to roll it as fast as they could, smashing it in into the door like a kind of battering ram. That was when strange things started to happen. First, the pirates heard music from the sea. Bells rang faintly in the storm. Someone said they heard ghostly singing. Lamps began to turn off and then relight themselves at random. Pirates are a superstitious, fearful lot. Okay, where were we? Ah, yes. Pirates are a superstitious, fearful lot, and these signs and wonders were enough to send a third of them into a paralyzing fear. Pirate Jimmy Joe and Pirate Bob, among others, ran away to hide below deck, but not all were so easily dismayed, and the most hardened among them began to proceeded to ram the cannon into the door. Again and again, the cannon struck the door, Inside, 
Tronhelm strained mightily against the Bureau to hold them back. Instead of music and lights, now a menacing face appeared on the outside of the door. Another illusion, created not by the ring, but by her own limited spellcasting ability. Its eyes flickered with light. One or two of the pirates pushing the ca cannon were deeply spooked by this and began to back away. But still, plenty were left for the attack, and they began to reason with the others. Ah, mateys, it's just a bit of magic meant to scare babies. We've none of us been bit yet by any real spell. If that face is the most they can conjure up, we'll make short work of them. Look lively and keep off the battering. The door itself was not badly broken, but the hinges had been completely ripped from the door frame. And each time they bashed with the cannon, the whole door would move inwards an inch or two before Tronhelm heaved it back into position. Now that the pirates could see inside, they realized that the bureau was not the full height of the door. They began to press on the very top where there was nothing but air behind. The next time they bashed it in, one of the more intelligent pirates grasped the door from the bottom and heaved it up and in. The door clattered onto the top of the bureau and fell into the room as Tronhelm muscled the bureau back into position with all his strength. The strong oak door was gone, and now only the bureau was left, which was far weaker. The pirates outside jeered and laughed, seeing their success. Tronhelm braced himself against the bureau, sweating hard. Zidia, he grunted. Now or never! He lowered himself down so she could see over the bureau, straight through the doorway. Zidia stood up. She extended her left hand towards the opening and raised her right into the air. She took a deep breath. Tronhelm lowered himself down even more. Watch your aim, he warned. He closed his eyes. You'll be fine, she responded through clenched teeth. And then she began to speak the spell. At that moment, an ugly face with yellow teeth stuck right through in through the opening and peered around. It was Bucky Bones, a fierce and evil pirate. Well, I'll be blasted. It's nothing but a little girl and one stinking dwarf escaped from the hold. Come on, you bunch of cowards. We can climb right over this and... The cabin filled with a bright light and a tiny flame, not much bigger than a candle's, zipped across the room and struck Bucky in the face. He was knocked clean off his feet with a scream as the moat of fire exploded, setting his hair and his shirt on fire and burning his face. Around the doorframe, two little tongues of fire clung to the wood and flickered. Bucky writhed on the ground in agony, but the rest hardened their resolve and prepared for a final charge. Zinnia knew it would take her about six seconds to prepare the next firebolt, even if her concentration was perfect. She had explained it to Tronhelm earlier. He had looked pityingly at her. Six seconds was an eternity in battle, he explained. It was far too slow. She knew he was right. The pirates shoved hard against the bureau, which began to break apart. Tronhelm's heels skidded over the ground, and they forced their way in. Two pirates came through. One came around the left side. One came around the right. She couldn't blast them both, and she knew that her next firebolt would be her last. She let loose the second bolt right in the face of the ugliest of the two, who went down screaming. Tronhelm crossed blades with the second, and unable to fight and bar the door at the same time, he released his hold on the bureau, and the bureau blasted into the room, followed by a wave of several more pirates. Their resistance was over. Luckily, that was when Eddie arrived with his army. Dun, dun, dun. Strawberry,
next time we will read the conclusion of Maine and the Red Eagle.